there's a lot of churches out there, and so you folks have chosen to be here, so that is a great big blessing, and we don't take that for granted. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles here this morning, if you will. Let's come to Psalm 141, Psalm 141. And this morning, I'm going to be probably um, practical. I'm going to start off very, very practical and uh, just give you some things to try to help you. I, um, at least I, I hope they will. It may not speak to everybody's need today, but maybe through the message somewhere along the way, the Lord will give you something. I found that if you come looking and expecting something, then God will give you something. And uh, that's typically how he does it. I mean, I don't, I don't know everybody's needs this morning. I, I'm being honest with you. I don't know your need. God does. And so that's where we have to trust that God will supply that need. And I, a lot of our needs really are, are spiritual. You know, our problems and things like that, are, uh, they stem from spiritual issues. And so uh, this morning, if you're not saved, I want to encourage you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He'll save you. You say, well, I'm not worthy enough. You say, I'm just, I can't be good enough. Put all that to the side. That has nothing to do with it. Jesus Christ is worthy enough. He did all the good you need. <laughs> And he did it on the cross of Calvary to save you. You just need to humble yourself and come to him so that he can save you. All right, uh, Psalm 141, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm 141, verse 1 says, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and lifting up my, of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. And let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, and when, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me, and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, whilst that I withal escape. Um, this is a, a really good psalm. There's several things we could point out here, but if you will, just for sake of time this morning, let's focus on verse number nine. The Bible said, but mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. That's where our eyes ought to be. It ought to be unto the Lord. He goes on and says, in thee is my trust. Well, that's where our trust ought to be. If your trust is in the Lord, then your eyes are going to be on him. You see, that's where your eyes are going to be. Your eyes are going to go to wherever you're trusting. If you're trusting in your bank account, that's where your eyes are going to be. You know, if you're trusting in your, your, your good works and your good deeds, then you're going to be self-centered. And that, that's where your trust is. And then he goes on and says, leave not my soul destitute. Leave not my soul destitute. What I want to do is I want to talk to you just a little while this morning. And I've titled the message, Feeling Destitute. Feeling destitute. Last week I had made a comment and I said that we've all got problems. And what happens a lot of times is that we get our minds on ourselves and we think about how big our problems are and then nobody else really has any problems because mine are so big. But the truth of the matter is, is we all have problems. We all have issues. We all have things that come up and things that as we go along in life and they stress us out to the max sometimes. But, and if we're not careful, we can allow those things to cause us to feel destitute. And so I looked it up. 
up in the dictionary, destitute means to set, literally set from or set away. Uh, Not having or possessing, wanting or as destitute of virtue or of pity, destitute of food and clothing. And it differs from deprived as it does not necessarily imply previous possession. Uh, It means needy, um, abject, hopeless, comfortless, friendless, such as God will not leave us destitute, he will regard the prayer of the destitute. Psalm 102, 17, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. And so he will regard the prayer of the destitute. God will hear your prayer. Uh, in, uh, and so he goes on with the definition, one who is without friends or comfort and then to forsake. I believe that's 1828 Webster Dictionary. Now, God created you and me to be intimately connected with him. That's what God created you and me to do and to be is, and, and with other people. God created us to be connected with other people, not to be just separated from everybody else. And, you know, cause sometimes the way I feel, I don't know, I'm a pastor, so I don't know how everybody else feels, but I know sometimes I could just go home, close the shades and hermitize myself until next Sunday. I mean, you know, sometimes you just get like that, you know, and you just, I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I just want to just be by myself, but I can't do that. Because that's not the way God created us and made us to be. I know there's times you just need to yourself to unwind. I, I get that. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm just like everybody else, I guess. But, but God created us to be intimately connected with him and with other people. And yet we often feel cut off from him and even those that are around us. And I believe you have experienced that. Many of you, if you've been saved very long, you've experienced this. And some are unable just to get away from that strong feeling of feeling destitute, that destitution feeling there that you uh, feel like you're all alone. But what we're talking about this morning has to deal with loneliness. And what leads to a life of loneliness? Loneliness. What leads to that? What leads to... You see, the thing about it is, is the feeling of destitute is really just a symptom of another problem. And that goes back to loneliness. And so if we want to fix this feeling of destitution, this feeling of destitute, then we're going to have to deal with the problem and not the symptoms. You see, when you go to the doctor, he's going to ask you what you got wrong with you, and you're going to give him a whole list of things. And then he's going to try to fix these little things here and there. But really, there's a deeper problem. There's an, over, there's, a, there's an underlying issue that's causing all these problems, and that's what he needs to do. The symptoms will point him to the problem. And you know what that is? Much in, in when you counsel and when you're preaching, that's the way it is a lot of times. When people come to you and they've got this problem and this problem and this problem, really that's a symptom. You have to recognize that that's a symptom of some other issue. Maybe it's sin. And sin causes other symptoms, other problems. And so what leads to a life of loneliness and what damage does it cause? If it's left unchecked. Well, let's just give you some things here this morning. And then if you will, I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Kings 19. And I want you to hold it there until the end of the message. 1 Kings chapter number 19. But we're going to preach this morning a message entitled Feeling Destitute. Number one, can I say while you're turning to 1 Kings 19 that destitute in the life of a believer, let me give you some things about that. Number one, loneliness is separation anxiety caused by feeling disconnected. That's what it is. I mean, that's destitute in the life of a believer. Now, an unsafe person, you're going to deal with differently than you do a safe person. You see, a safe person has the Holy Spirit of God abiding in them, and a lost person doesn't. So you can't necessarily help an unsaved person in this area until they come to know Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, you were created to fellowship with God, to fellowship with Jesus Christ. There's a void on the inside of every unsaved person that only Jesus Christ can fill. And until you have that one right, you can't fix this 
feeling of destitution. And so loneliness is separation anxiety caused by feeling disconnected. Loneliness is primarily a spiritual problem. It begins with feeling disconnected from God. That's what it is. It's a feeling of disconnection with God. Uh, Solitude, on the other hand, is being alone by choice. But we all need time to just re-energize. That's like I said, I could just pull the shades down and I could just hermitize myself. But you can't do that. But there are times when you need that time alone to unwind and get your mind off of all the everything that's going on and just spend some time alone, even some time alone with God. And, uh, and, and so we all need that time to re-energize and to develop a closer relationship with the Lord. Maybe you need to grab your Bible and, and, uh, and, and a bottle of water and go to the mountains and sit under a tree and just pray and read your Bible and pray and read your Bible until God begins to feel whatever that need is that you have spiritually. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not going to the mountains. Maybe it's just actually going to another room and you're getting alone with God. Now, where did loneliness begin? Well, back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God said, Adam, there's this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to eat of it because in the day you eat thereof it, thou shalt surely die. All right, so uh, Adam, he walked with God in the cool of the day, right? He had fellowship with God. I mean, can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden in a perfect environment and God comes down in the cool of the day and you can walk with him and just talk with him about anything that's on your heart? I mean, just right there physically, Adam is walking with God in the cool of the day. But when Adam took that fruit and he ate of it, he spiritually died that day and fellowship was broken. I'd say Adam felt that feeling of loneliness, don't you? I'd say he did. I mean, God comes along in the beginning there and God created a woman. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. That ought to show you and I that God created you and I to be around other people. It's not good to be alone. Why? Because it can lead to this feeling of destitute. It leads to the feeling of destitute. You see, when we choose to rebel against God, we separate ourselves from the fellowship with God. Now, where does the feeling of loneliness originate? Well, there's many places. I'm just going to give you several of them. Well, one of the first places here is losing a loved one. You know, that can lead to the feeling of destitution. When you lose a loved one, when you lose someone that's real close to you, a spouse or, or maybe a child or, or something of that nature, you, you can get to the place where, of loneliness to the point where you feel destitute. How about going through a divorce? There's people that go to, you say, oh, divorce is a sin. Of a, oh, come on, man, get off of it. Divorce happens. People need help. I mean, you know, you can't always patch up and fix divorce. It happens. If two warring parties are not willing to come together and agree, it ain't going to work out. So what do you do? You deal with it, right? And so sometimes when you go through a divorce, uh, well, hopefully you won't go through a divorce, but those that go through a divorce, uh, they're, they're going to have this feeling of loneliness. How about the feeling of condemned by God? You know, when, when you sin or you do something wrong and you, you know there's a separation between you and God and the only way that you're going to really fix that thing is 1 John 1, 9 and that's to confess your sin and He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you patch that relationship back you, and that helps that feeling of destitute by con- reconnecting with God so that you're not lonely. You see, you and God make a majority. You know the old song. I think the, one of the primitives or inspirations got a song out about that. But you You and God make a majority. But feeling condemned by God will cause this feeling of loneliness. How about this one here, feeling unworthy or feeling unwanted? Nothing worse than getting in an area where you feel like you're unwanted, like you're a burden and you're in the way. A lot of widows feel that way. 
A lot of widows feel like, well, I don't want to be a burden to my kids. I don't want to, you know, yeah, they've got a family. And, all. and so you get to that place where maybe you feel like you're in the way and unwanted. And, and, you know, I've saw that over time and time again that maybe even an elderly loved one gets down. And, you know, they apologize over and over again. I'm sorry that you've got to do this. I, I wish you didn't have to. And, you know, because they've lost their independence and they, they get to the place where they feel like they're just a burden and they're unworthy. How about having no one with whom to share life with? When you've got a desire to have a mate, to be married, you know, then they're, and, but, but it seems like God hasn't sent anybody your way. That can bring along a feeling of, of destitution. Uh, it can make you feel lonely. How about experiencing isolation in childhood? You know, uh, there's a lot of people that didn't have the upbringing that they, let's just be frank, that they should have. Daddy was no daddy. Mama was no mama. And so now they've, the child has grown up and now they have grudges and regrets against their parents for the way of their upbringing because they didn't have that childhood they should. And so maybe they feel this loneliness here of, and, and this uh, destitution. Now, what are some positions that can cause people to feel lonely? I don't know. I've never been a president of a corporation, but I could imagine that being a president of a corporation, you're going to feel loneliness at the top, aren't you? I mean, you think about it. I mean, nobody wants to fire anybody. I don't. I, don't. I wouldn't. If I owned a business, I wouldn't want to fire anybody. I don't want to, but sometimes you have to. But you know what? When you fire somebody, you're going to be the bad guy. You know, and you think about it. You fire somebody, you're not only affecting that individual, you're affecting their family too. And they're going to have to go find another job. What if they lose their car because I fired them? Well, really, I fired them because they wasn't a good employee. They wasn't a good worker. They wasn't doing what they were told, right? And so you fired them. So really, it goes back on them, but you still feel some kind of responsibility when it comes to that, and they end up losing their car and their house and all of that. So here, that's just a position there that can cause people to feel lonely. How about retirees? You've been working at the plant or down at that job for 20, 30, and 40 years. You've been going in. You've been taking your time card. Do they use time cards anymore? They did when I used to work 20-some years ago. They'd punch a time card, clock in, and then use a time card to clock out. And that was your proof, and that's how you calculated your hours. And uh, you went in, you done that. Every morning you go in, you'd say, hey, John, chick. Click, it's good to see you, man. And he'd say, hey, uh, Jimmy, it's good to see you too, you know. And you did that for 40 years in the same workplace. But now you retire, and you're all excited about it. And then one day, three months later, you wake up and you're like, man, I feel a little lonely. Just things ain't the same, ain't right. Why? Because you went in and talked with Jimmy and John for 40 years and said hi to them. You're going to feel and get to that place of loneliness. How about missionaries? Missionaries on foreign fields. They're out there doing the work, and they feel like they're all by themselves, out on that island all by themselves, and maybe they are in some cases. There's a place of loneliness I can only speak to as a pastor. I know you can have a bunch of people around you, but still there's this feeling of loneliness. I can't explain it to you. You just have to experience it. I can't really fully explain the thing. Maybe another pastor understands what I'm talking about, but these are some positions that can cause people to feel lonely. Now, what are the consequences of loneliness? What are some effects of loneliness? Well, uh, first of all, how about the morale? You know, to, they, what happens is when you get lonely, you get to the place where you, you will tend to do things to, to get love, to get attention, to draw attention is what you'll do. You'll, you, because you're lonely, right? So you're trying to draw attention to get people's attention. And lonely individuals will do things that fulfilled people won't do. Uh, it'll affect your finances. You know that there's some people they'll spend to fill that void of loneliness, I remember years ago, there was somebody that uh, I counseled with and, uh, and they were in a financial pickle. 
But, but the problem wasn't necessarily the finances. There wasn't enough money. The problem was is this person was, was alone and had nobody. And so what they would do is they would spend money to make them feel better. You know, just kind of like comfort gifts and stuff like that. And so if you don't fix the loneliness, you can't fix the financial problem. So you see one thing stems off of another. And so you work that thing down through. So what does it, what's the consequences of loneliness? Uh, morale, finances. Uh, how about physically? There's a physical toll with loneliness, isn't there? I mean, if you've ever experienced loneliness, then maybe you, one of the things, the consequences that you've done is you, y'all have heard of comfort food, haven't you? Some people eat away their loneliness. <laughs> But then there comes another problem, which is psychological, which we'll get into in just a second. What happens is that you begin to eat, and then you begin to gain weight. And then you gain more weight. Then you begin to detach yourself from other people, because then they're going to think, oh, man, I'm fat. And I don't want to be around them. They're thinking I'm fat. I've gained all this weight, you know. So then it just snowballs. You see what I'm talking about. You see how if you can fix this thing of loneliness, then you can fix this thing, of this feeling of destitution. How about, uh, how about relationships? Again, that goes back to what I said just a minute ago, but they feel so detached that they can't reach out to other people. And then psychologically, they may experience depression or a lack of productivity. You see, it can lead to depression. And you know what depressed people do many times? They don't want to get out of the bed. And so then they lay in the bed until their stomach starts growling. They get up and go get something to eat. And as soon as they get done eating, go right back to bed. Why? Because they're depressed. That's what depressed people do. I don't want to do my ironing. I don't want to, ironing. I don't want to do my clothes. I don't want to wash my clothes. I don't want to wash my dishes. I don't want to sweep and mop the floor. I just want to lay in this bed and eat. That's all I want to do. That's what depressed people do. Where does it start? Back with loneliness. So if we can fix loneliness, the problem with loneliness, we may not be able to take away your situation or your circumstance, but if we can help you with loneliness, then we can help with this feeling of destitution. And so you may become more productive and if you become more productive then guess what happens you increase your self-worth you feel better about yourself now there's things that loneliness will drive people to do when you're lonely it can drive you to drink right pastor a church will drive you to drink too no don't worry i don't have a bottle in my desk or anything like that <laughs> i heard a principal one time had a bottle in his desk i don't i don't know if that's true or not but that was the rumor that went around anyway <laughs> um It'll lead them to abuse drugs. Drug loneliness can lead to drugs. And then once you're hooked, you're hooked. You see? Uh, how about the, it diverts their attention? How about loneliness? What it does is spend more time watching TV. And how, you know, the, the, what, what do you call it? The uh, binge watching one episode after another and just after another, one after another, one after another. You see, it diverts your attention to the TV, to internet and things like that so that you've got your mind and all that other stuff that's going on and you're going to be a whole lot more depressed because you're looking at the world scenario then, right? And if you look around at this world very long, it'll it's enough to depress you. Uh, but it leads to diverting of attention. It also can lead to, sadly enough, affairs. Loneliness can lead to affairs. Do you know that you can be married and still be the loneliest person on the planet if you don't have the right relationship? And then that can, that can, I say drive, it can lead to an affair. Because uh, an affair is not right. Adultery and fornication is sin. I don't care how people want to cover it up and try to pretty it up. You know, you can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig, right? And you can put lipstick on sin, but at the end of the day, sin is still sin. And sadly enough, many times loneliness leads to suicide. Now what's the cure for loneliness? Well, it begins with being reconciled to God through 
His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. You've got to get that one right first. If you don't have that one right, if you're not saved and you've got loneliness, you're going to have to get that one right. You're going to have to fix your relationship, have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to make that work. And as you get right with Him by repenting and placing your trust in Him, the Lord can begin to rescue you from this thing that we're talking about called loneliness. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ... We're going to feel lonely from time to time. I think there's circumstances and situations where you're not going to do away with it. You're going to live for God and there's going to be times of loneliness. Uh, but how can we escape loneliness? How can we reach out? How can we reach out both to God and to other people to solve our problem of loneliness? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You can't sit back and let, every, let, let everybody come to you because a lot of times that's not going to happen. Everybody's got their own life, doing their own thing. And so sometimes you're going to have to reach out, you know, say, hey, I just need, I need somebody to talk to, you know. And that's what we need a lot of times. You see, loneliness is a feeling of separation anxiety that results when we sense disconnection from another person or group of people. It's not a sin, but it can lead to sinful behavior. And that's where we have to deal with that thing, and then that can stop sinful behavior. So how do we overcome feeling destitute? Well, number one, I'm going to give you about five things. Number one, you've got to recognize that you are lonely. You've got to recognize you're lonely. It's like they do in the AA meetings, right? You've got to recognize you're an alcohol, alcoholic. First of all, you've got to recognize I have a problem. Because a person that's not willing to recognize they've got a problem, it ain't going to get fixed. You see, well, let me move on. If I'm not careful, I get off on something else and I'm wanting to stay on point. (laughs) Some people feel that loneliness is a sign of weakness or they fear others will label them. They think it's just a weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being human. (laughs) That's what it is. It's a sign of being human. When people feel unworthy of acceptance, their outward behavior reflects that belief. And as a result, such individuals often have difficulty making friends. And... um, and likely they'll be rejected by others. So you got to recognize you got a problem. You can't fix a problem unless you recognize you got a problem. You know, I could say, well, I've got a water leak in my house. And I could, I could just say, nope, I don't have a water leak. I don't have a water leak. But the whole time i got a water leak. And I'm not willing to recognize it because I don't want to fix it, right? I don't want to climb up underneath the house. I don't want to have to go and do whatever it is that has to be done. And, and so I'm, I'm just not willing to recognize i got a problem. So what happens is you continue to have a water leak. Next thing you know, everything's ruined. Next thing you know, got a high water bill, right? Well, that's, that's just some of the effects of not recognizing I got a problem. And so that's lonely people. You're going to have to recognize that, you have, that you're lonely. Then number two, you're going to have to reconcile yourself to God. You see, Adam and Eve's sin disconnected mankind with his creator. Just by nature, you and I are disconnected with God, but through Jesus Christ, you can be reconnected to him. You can come to Jesus Christ through the cross of Calvary and have your sins washed away and establish a relationship with God so that you are not lonely anymore. You'll you'll not be by yourself at all. You see, loneliness drives some people to immorality. Uh, Loneliness leads some people to to a sinful behavior. Uh, Loneliness leads to dishonesty. Loneliness will lead to ungodly relationship, right? I mean, because after all, I feel desperate, so I got to have somebody as a friend. And I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I can't have anybody, I'll take an ungodly person that's not saved to be my best friend. And it creates bad relationship. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, you'll end up being lonelier than you started out with. You're going to have to recognize that you're lonely. You're going to have to reconcile yourself to God. Jesus came to reconcile you and me to God. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. 
and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God is a God of reconciliation. If you've got loneliness, God wants to reconcile your salvation with him. He wants to bring you salvation. He wants to give you salvation. The only thing that's holding you back is you yourself. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. I'm going to skip on down through there about verse 21 or 22. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and unreprovable in his sight. God wants to reconcile you. If you feel lonely this morning, one of the ways that you can correct that is by coming to God through Jesus Christ. That's how you can fix that. You'll never overcome loneliness until you connect or until you reconnect. Maybe you are saved, but you need to reconnect that relationship with Jesus Christ. And, that, and you've got to come to him in order to do that. Then number three, we're talking about fixing this feeling of destitute or this feeling of loneliness, number three, you're going to have to recall the promises of God. You're going to have to recall the promises of God. There's promises in the Bible that God gives to those that are lonely. When you feel very lonely, claim the promises of God. I mean, it'll help you. you you'd be amazed at how much the Bible will help you in cases like that. I mean, that, this book right here is your ammunition against the devil himself. You'll remember when Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, he was tempted. The Bible mentions three times. He was tempted three times. And all three times, do you know what the Lord did? He, he told Satan, he said, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. You know what he was doing? He was using the word of God as his scripture. You know what you and I need to do when we get to the place where we feel lonely? We need to start firing back at the devil by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Claim the promises of God and you'll be amazed at how much they'll help you. Don't go on what you feel, but go on God's truth, God's word. In Psalm 23, you've got the shepherd that leads you beside still waters. But you know, if you skip down through there, the psalmist, what he says, he says, he talks about this. I, I, he says, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, God's with you. Claim the promises of God. They'll help you. God's right there in your loneliness. God is sitting right there next to you. Imagine it just as close as that because that's the, that's the way it is. In John 15, Jesus abides in us and enables us to bear fruit. In Hebrews 13 and 5, God will never leave us nor forsake us. See that? These are promises that will help you when it comes to loneliness. Romans 8, 35. Well, I like this one right here. I'm going to turn over and read this one to you. Uh, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, this is a great passage right here. You can write this one down. And uh, you can have this one to go to. But in Romans 8, 35 through 39, Paul asked the question, he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So he's asking the question, who shall separate us? When you're separated, isn't that what we're talking about? Loneliness, destitution, destitute, being separated 
from? So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, he said in verse 36, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're not only conquerors, the Bible said we're more than conquerors. In verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see what you're going to need to understand is that when you get saved you've got somebody for life. You've got somebody to be with you. He said I'll never leave you nor forsake you and so that loneliness can disappear sometimes if you'll just claim the promises of God. Cling to him. Hold on to him. In John 16 and verse 32, Jesus knew God was always with him even when the disciples had deserted him. He wasn't alone. You don't have to be alone this morning. You don't have to feel alone. You're not alone. Nobody in this building here this morning is alone. But now you may have that feeling of loneliness. You may have that feeling of destitute. Then there's number four. Not only recall the promises of God, but reach out and develop relationships. Reach out and develop relationships. I mean, you've got a good church here. You've got people, if you'll reach out, I guarantee you've got an ear. Yeah. You, you, may not, you, know, you may not get all the wisdom that Solomon had in their conversations, but at least you've got somebody you can talk to. And you know what? That means a whole lot, a lot of times, to have somebody to be able to talk to, somebody that you can go to. What was that? This, uh, uh, this little girl, she told her mommy that, about something and she, and she said, well, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. And little girl, she said, well, uh, I want to talk with somebody that's got ears. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that's what we need. We need somebody. You could take something to the Lord, no doubt, but you can take anything to the Lord. But, but you know, sometimes we need just somebody with some ears. <laughs> so you need to reach out and develop relationships. Seek out godly companions. Because as I said before, in the end, if you seek out ungodly relationships, then the loneliness is going to be worse in the end than it was in the beginning. So you're going to have to look for people who will understand you. Friends with people that you can laugh with, cry with, talk to, tell things with. Maybe even tell some of uh, some things that you wouldn't tell everybody to. You know, develop those relationships. Build relationships that are trust, trustworthy relationships. Build a relationship that expands your awareness of God's presence instead of obscures it. Build a, get relationships that's going to help you build your relationship with the Lord. Say, well, this relationship is going to drag me down. This relationship is going to pull me down, and I don't need that in my life. This is what I want to build my relationship upon, is these certain relationships. And so find out, seek out, and find uh, godly relationships. But one thing you're going to have to understand is that no one person can meet all of your needs. Not even a spouse. Not even a spouse can meet all of your needs. It just doesn't work that way. If you depend excessively on another person, he or she will pull you away and eventually you'll end up being lonelier than you were to begin with. And then last of all, number five, how about this one? Refocus your attention. Refocus your attention. You know what happens with lonely people many times? They become self-centered. Because they think on themselves. They think about themselves only. I'm lonely and it's all about me and me and I and me. And what you can do is you can overcome it by seeking to be a blessing to someone else. I mean, maybe you got the talent to bake. Bake somebody a cake. That'll make you feel better. Might make me feel better if I'm the recipient. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm just cutting up. But, you know, you, 
that, you, don't, you don't know how much that will help. Go visit somebody in a nursing home. I mean, go, go visit somebody in their home. I mean, if, you're, if you get to the place where you feel lonely, visit some folks. It'll help you, I promise you. If you'll start helping other people's needs, God can begin to help you with your need as well. You go help somebody else and God will send somebody to help you. You know what Jesus Christ came to do? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. You remember the night he was there with his disciples, uh, the night before he was crucified. You know, he was, he was serving others. The Lord serves others. You know what the Lord's going to do at the marriage supper of the Lamb? He's going to serve you and me. Isn't that something? Even the leader serves. See, when a leader gets to the place where he thinks he doesn't serve, he's in a bad way and his heart's not in the right place. Even the pastor of a church is a servant. I mean, I, you know, I serve this church. That's what I do. I'm a servant, you see. I lead the church, but I'm also the servant. The same way with the deacons. The deacons, they, they, they're to serve. Isn't that what a deacon is to do? That's, that's what the definition of a deacon is. To deacon is to serve. And so that's what the two offices in the Bible are all about, is they're about serving. And Jesus Christ, He came not to be served, but to serve. Now, if you're lonely, one of the best things you can do is encourage somebody else. It's to help somebody else because it'll increase your self-worth. It'll make you feel better about yourself. We're talking about feeling destitute here this morning. Now, you should be in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you'll look with me in verse number 1, I've got a few things I want to point out of the passage, and then I'll close. This is going to be my conclusion, okay? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 1, the Bible said, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Je Elijah had been by the brook. He had prophesied that, that it was going to not rain for three and a half years, and, or three years, but actually James tells us it was three and a half years to be exact. And so here's Elijah's done great things. He's raised the widow woman's son. And, and here now in, in chapter number 19, you've got this Ahab's wife, the king. And then you've got uh, the king Ahab. And then you've got Jezebel, his wife. And she's sending out threatening letters to him. And she sends word out that by this time, less than 24 hours, you're going to be dead. And she's going to have him killed. So Elijah's circumstances have changed. See that? Things were going great and wonderful and God was great and thank God, praise God and my bills are getting paid, my car is running, the house is clean and the roof is not leaking and everything's working. But then all of a sudden everything starts falling apart in chapter number 19. Now circumstances have changed. See, I'm just trying to get you to relate to it here this morning. Your you, things may be going good today, but tomorrow the bottom might drop out of the thing. I'm just wanting to prepare you for that. Verse 3 said, And when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Look at that. He left his servant there. He had somebody that went with him, but he left his servant there. Now he's by himself. Look at verse number 4. But he himself went. So now he's by himself. Now he's kind of isolating himself. See, the circumstances have changed now, and now he don't want to be around anybody. He wants to hermitize himself, right? And so the Bible said in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Now he's thinking along the lines. He's, I don't know that he's thinking about him taking his own life, but he's wishing that he would just die. Isn't that how somebody with depression thinks sometimes? And so you can kind of see that going on here in the passage. And so he says, 
at the end of the verse, for I am not better than my father's. Notice he says, I. So now he's starting to get his mind self-centered on himself now. See that? Verse 5, and as he lay and slept, you know what depressed people do? Sleep a lot. See that? You're starting to see a lot of this unfold here. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, then behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. All right, so he's going to go. He's going to get up. He's going to go get him something to eat. What is he going to do? Well, verse 6, and he looked and behold, there were, was a cake baking on the coals and the cruise of water at his feet. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. He got up, got him something to eat, went back and laid back down. That, see, that's loneliness. That's this feeling of destitution is what it is. Verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And so, all right, let me just move on here. Verse 8, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Oreb, which is Sinai, the Mount of God. Notice he went forty days and forty nights. There's only three men in the Bible that spent forty days and forty nights in a mountain without meat. And that was Moses and Jesus and here is Elijah. There's three guys in the Bible that did that. Verse 9 says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Now he's secluded himself. Now he's in a cave. All by himself, nobody around, right? So he came thither to into a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, what are you doing here in this cave? Don't you know you've got something to do? Don't you know your life is worth something here? Don't you know you, 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 you're worthy? And verse 10 said, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And, watch this word, I... Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah is saying that he's got nobody. He's, he's, he, but he's not the only one. And I'll show you that in a minute. But he's feeling this way. This is what he's feeling. See, what reality is and what he's feeling are two different things. In verse number 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. There's a still, small voice. We could preach right there, couldn't we? Verse 13 says, and it was so. When Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. You see, what Elijah did was he took, God's, uh, he took God's admonition, get out of the cave. You're going to have to take some steps. If you stay in this cave, Elijah, this is where you're going to die. This is where you're going to rot and this is where you're going to die. You're going to stay in this cave, that's the way it's going to be. So you're going to have to take some steps. I gave you some steps already this morning to get out of that cave of that feeling of loneliness and that feeling of destitute. So you've got to come out of that cave. Let's see here. Jump down to verse number 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel, Mahola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Now isn't that something in verse 18? Because remember back in verse number 10 at the end of the verse, Elijah said, and I, even I only am left. But that's not true, is it? According to verse number 18, God had 700 that was serving him that not, had not kissed the sacrifice of Baal. See that? 
Sometimes we get to the place where we feel like we're the only ones serving God. We're all by ourselves, but we're really not. Because if you, if you get your eyes off of yourself, and I say that with, I'm trying to say that the kindest as I possibly can, to just get your eyes off yourself and focus on other people's needs. And you'll find that your, your problems may get a little smaller. Now, they're problems, and they not, may not go away. They're still going to be there. But you may find you not, you'll not focus on them so much. And because if you do, it'll bring this feeling of destitute. Are you attacked this morning by feelings of destitute? I'm going to go ahead and ask Miss Debbie to come. If you're a believer in Jesus 